talking today about attitudes for the journey of life. Attitudes for the journey of life. I've had an opportunity to visit a number of regions throughout the New York uh, City Church. Uh, in case you do not know, we have 10 regions in the New York Church. And that's 10 separate ministries that are meeting this morning uh, to give glory to God. And so you can be praying for all those different regions. I'm just trying to go and offer some encouragement and a few words of inspiration and to uh, connect with the different leaders in those regions. But it's good to be back here with all of you. And uh, Maurice asked me to come and share some things with you today, so I'm looking forward to that. Let's pray together as we get started. Our God and Father in heaven, thank you for giving us this day. Help us to not take anything for granted, realizing that every good thing is from you, even the death of life. Uh, Father, there are so many that didn't see 2018, and we thank you for giving us this year. And we pray that it will be a year that gives great glory to your holy name. Bless uh, this region, bless the disciples in this region, bless the leadership, and God help us to do great things in your glory. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, are uh, Maurice and Lauren doing okay? They're doing all right? Okay, well, I just, just want to make sure, thank God, for bringing them here all the way from Kansas. It has been an eye-opening experience for them, um, moving from Kansas to uh, the wonderful uh, land of the Bronx. So let's talk about, let's talk about attitudes today, uh, things that will help us to live lives that give glory to God. You know, all of us as Christians, we're on a journey. Uh, that journey, how long it will be, we do not know. What challenges we will go through on that journey, who knows? We know there will be some. There will be some valleys, there will be some mountains, there will be some curves, there will be some storms. Uh, but on this journey, one of the things that makes a difference is the attitude you decide to have each and every day. And I want to talk about some of these attitudes that have helped me in my walk with God and prayerfully will help you as you strive to get from here to the promised land, which for us is heaven. We're going to take some time to look at the Israelites and attitudes that they failed to have that hindered them and things that we can learn from them as disciples to make it through our journey. So I think there's going to be something in this message for everybody here today. In 1 Peter 1, verse 17, in the message version, Peter says, Your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. Your life is a journey. It's your journey. No one else is going to be able to travel the journey that God chooses for you. And so you don't need to compare your journey with anyone else's. Because God has put you on a unique path so that your life can be used for his glory and to have an impact on others. And Numbers 33, verse 1. You know, as you're reading through the book of Numbers, uh, you reach a point where the Bible says, here are the stages in the journey of the Israelites when they came out of Egypt by divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. And it goes through all the different stages 
that the Israelites went through on their journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. And we're going to go through different stages in our journey as we strive to get to heaven, as we strive to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We may at different stages in our journeys face challenging situations. And then there may be other stages of the journey where it just seems like it's so easy and everything is falling in place. Some of us are at the beginning of our journey. Some of us are at the middle of our journey. Some of us are near the end of our journey. I don't know where that. You may say, well, I'm young. I know that I'm, I'm at the beginning. You may not be at the beginning. You may be at the end and not even know it. But whatever it is, you need to make sure that you have the right attitude for whatever stage you may be in right now. This might be a good stage. This may be a challenging stage. You know, 2018 may have started off fantastic for you. For others of us, we're already hoping that this year would end and it's just begun. So hang in there. You'll make it to the end, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 11. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, These things happen to them as examples. And were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. There's a lot we can learn from the Old Testament. And we're going to take a few lessons from the Old Testament and really work on our attitudes today. See, they did some things right. They did some things wrong. And the great thing about the Bible is that God doesn't cover up even the mistakes of the greatest of leaders in his world. And the, are the greatest men and women of faith. You see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yet God was still able to work through them and use them despite their different situations. And so let's learn from them today. So here are the attitudes for the journey that I want us to focus on, focus on today. Attitudes for the journey. Number one, be thankful. Be thankful. Number two, be submissive. Can I get an amen on that one? Be submissive. And number three, be courageous. Be thankful, be submissive, be courageous. So let's start with being thankful. Being thankful. You know, one of the challenges for the Israelites is being thankful each and every day. Are you thankful this morning? Are you thankful for all the good that God has done in your life? You know, if you're here today, there is something that you should and can be thankful for. I think if we're disciples, we should be overflowing with thanksgiving. If for no other reason we are saved, we've been redeemed from the entry way of life, we've been brought into the fellowship of Jesus Christ, we're going to heaven, our sins are washed away. We wake up every day with a new start that God has cleansed us and presented us perfect in His presence. We are so blessed, and it really bugs me when Christians are irritable and mean and ugly and, and critical and negative because I'm saying, don't you realize what you've been redeemed from? You should be thankful. You should be joyful. You should wake up in the morning doing the Toyota kick, saying, praise God for what He brought me out of. Think about where you would be this morning if Jesus was not Lord of your life, if you weren't in the kingdom of God. I dread to think of that. So I'm thankful for what God's done for me, for the wife he's given me, for the children he's given me, 
I'm so grateful. And yet these Israelites, God brought them out of Egypt. There they were in bondage, in slavery, for over 400 years. And God finally delivers them. And then he takes them through the Red Sea, miraculously. And all of Pharaoh's soldiers are killed in that sea. And then they get to the other side, and they're on their way to the promised land. And then as soon as they get on the other side, Exodus chapter 16, they start grumbling and complaining. As if they forgot that they ever got baptized in the Red Sea. And sometimes we can forget where we've come from. So let me read some of this. In Exodus 16, I'll just put some of it up there. Are they with me yet? Okay. I'm in Exodus 16, verse 3. You guys got to catch up. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if we had only had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And this is right after they've been delivered and they have lost their minds. Because they're saying things that aren't even true. We sat around pots of meat. Yes, you did sit around pots of meat. But it wasn't your pots of meat. It was the Egyptians' pot of meat. And we ate all the food we wanted. No, you didn't. You smelled all the food. You served all the food. You made all the food. But you didn't eat it. You know, sometimes when, when you lose perspective and you go back looking at the world, you start thinking that it was better than it was. Oh, I remember when I was a non-Christian, how much fun I had. What? Man, we picked you up. You was half dead. You, you, you had, I mean, you were burned with guilt. Your life was a mess. It was a wreck. I mean, you should have been in jail, and God set you free. And you're going back. Oh, I remember what it was like, man. I was out there in the world. I was killing it, man. No, you were getting killed. What's wrong with you? How can somebody leave God and go back to the world? The Bible says it's like a dog returning to its vomit. Have you lost your mind? Have you, the, the, your worst day as a Christian is better than a thousand days in the world. Don't go back. And so here they are. They are lying to themselves. All the food we want. But you brought us into this desert to starve us to death. Grumbling, complaining, negativity, cynicism. It makes your journey more difficult. This makes it harder to live for God when you're not counting your blessings. When you're looking at, oh, this is not the way I thought it would be. See, God allows you to go through the difficulties to refine your faith. To help you to rely more on Him. Because a lot of times we're just shallow. And God is like, I want to, I want to make you deeper. I want to make you stronger. And you don't get stronger unless there's resistance. That's how you build spiritual muscles. It's through resistance. It's not through life being easy. 
And so sometimes we want it to be easy, but God says, no, you're going through this difficulty, through this trial, so that when you come out on the other side of it, you'll be refined. You know, I would have gotten rid of more impurities in your soul, and you'll be better able to serve me. And sometimes we just don't want to go through it. And so we need to thank God even for the trials. Isn't that what James says? Consider it what? Pure joy. And we read that and we go, dude, were you on drugs when you were writing that? What was wrong with you? But we consider it pure joy because we're being transformed more and more into the image of Christ. So don't run from the trials. Run through them. Run through them and be thankful. God, you took me through this so that I could be a better instrument for your service. The Israelites didn't learn that. They didn't allow God to refine their faith, and so they grumbled and they complained. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, there's a remarkable scripture in here. And it says, beginning in verse 16, starts off saying, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in what? In what kind of circumstances? In all circumstances. Are you thankful this morning? Whatever your circumstances. See, sometimes we just want to be thankful in the good circumstances. We're thankful on payday. But we're not thankful when rent's due. You know, we're thankful when the scale lies to us and says we weigh 20 pounds less than we do. But we're not thankful when we go to the doctor's office and we have to get on the real scale. And it's like, aren't you going to take off 10 pounds for my clothes? You ain't wearing no 10 pounds of clothes. Be thankful. Face the reality. All circumstances. Count your blessings. Thank God daily for all He's done for you. Don't allow ingratitude and bitterness and resentment to enter your heart. You can thank God. You know, my wife just celebrated 44 years as a Christian. January 31st. And she's as thankful as the day she got back. I mean, I'm just amazed at her radiance and her joy. And we're having so much fun laughing at each other and laughing at some of you too. I mean, we're just having a good time. And, 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 and I see her becoming more and more joyful and more and more, more thankful the longer she's a Christian. Because the longer you're a disciple, the more you begin to realize, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve how God's blessed me. Praise God, I don't deserve another day of life. But by the grace of God, He's given it to me. And so I'm going to get up every morning saying, Praise God, praise God, thank God for what He's done for me all these years in my life. I forgot to tell you, Cynthia got baptized when she was two years old. But she's 44 years as, as a Christian. And she's still, you see her, she's radiant, she's alive, she still lives. See, but if you're not grateful... It shows itself externally. And even other Christians don't want to be around. You can't even serve in the children's ministry because you make the babies cry. So let me give you some practical advice. Exercise your gratitude muscles. Exercise them. If you're, if you're having a, a, a difficulty being thankful, start a gratitude journal. Where you journal all the ways God has blessed you and all the things that God has delivered you from. 
Write a gratitude letter to God. Just write it out, God, I want to thank you. And you start with your first day of disciple, and you go through all the many ways that God bless you. And you just say, thank you, God. Praise you, God. I extol you. I lift you up. I've got so much to be thankful for. Get a gratitude partner. Instead of a bad attitude partner, get a gratitude partner. Someone who encourages you every day, who shares how God has blessed them, and then you share with them how God has blessed you. And you inspire one another with each other's blessings. You need that in your life. Have a week of gratitude prayers where you don't ask God for anything, but you just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. For the whole week, you know, go have your whole, your own gratitude seminar. Say what you're thankful for at the dinner table. You know, before or during the time you're eating or whatever, just ask everybody. If all of us share something, we're thankful for today. Good for the soul. Good for the heart. You know, write notes of thanks to others. You know, when the spirit moves you, I need to thank that person. Send them a text. Send them a note. Write them a note. Give it. I want to thank God for you. And then finally, transform your ingratitude to gratitude. You know, if you're married, you can find something to be ungrateful for. Turn it into gratitude. Says, well, that meal my wife cooked, it just wasn't, it was like she was offering up burnt offerings to me. It wasn't quite what I hoped. But thank God, instead of getting ungrateful, thank God you got somebody who's willing to cook for your ball head. Thank God you're not sitting at a home alone. Thank God there's someone who's willing to work with you, wash your clothes, take care of you. You know, turn to ingratitude. I mean, it's like, it's like sometimes we can look at things and we go, you know, why do I have to be in this apartment? Why do I have to be? Thank God at least you've got a roof over your head. Instead of complaining about it, it's like, man, the weather's not so good. Thank God you're not in California where there are mudslides, where you didn't wake up this morning and your house was gone, right? That you can turn ingratitude to gratitude if you just think about it. Well, my job doesn't pay me what it should. At least you got a job. Thank God I got this job. I'm looking for another job, but I'm thankful I got some money coming in. Am I right? You, you've got to turn it around. And get grateful. The Israelites did not do that. They turned gratitude, really, into ingratitude. And because of their ingratitude, a number of them never made it to the promised land. If we're going to get to heaven, we're going to have to stay grateful. We're going to have to remain thankful. Are you that way this morning? Is this your conduct in life? And then next, be submissive. Now, this is one of those that tends to make disciples struggle, especially women. And I'm not even here to talk about marriage today. I'm not even here to talk about wives being submissive to the husband. Because in order to understand that, you've got to go back and look at the whole context of Ephesians 5 and how God is trying to show us the brilliance and the greatness of the family structure. And how it should work as, as so, so well 
when the man and the woman and the children understand their roles in the family. That's what that's all about. It's not just, you can just go and just pick out wives to be submissive to the husband. You're missing the whole context of the family. That's just one part of it. It's a much bigger picture than that because God wants the families in his kingdom to be a light to the world. All right? And so it's not like, well, I walk around my house going, hey, I'm the head of my house. Man, I'm just glad I got a beautiful woman with me in the house. All right? And I know that when I'm taking care of her, I don't have to say be submissive. I mean, she's going to do the will of God, and that's, that's more than what I expect. And so when we understand, and we'll talk about that another time. But, but my, my question to you is, is, are you submissive on this journey? Are you easy to lead? Are you agreeable? Are you amenable? Are you someone that people look forward to working with? I mean, if we were doing draft picks for Bible discussions or family groups, where would you be drafted? Would anybody pick you up? Because they they, they think this person is so willing to work for the Lord and to do their part. And we don't have to pull teeth. We don't have to push them and and stay after them. But because they've surrendered to God, they're willing to do whatever is needed for the kingdom of God. Do you respect leadership? Do you respect authority? You see, this journey, your journey, will be easier if you learn to be submissive first to God and then the other to others. And the reason that so many of us have such a difficult time in the Christian life is because we won't listen to anybody. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. And when you became a Christian, you gave that up. You said, Lord, I no longer know what to do. You tell me what to do. That's what it means to be a Christian. Guide me. Lead me. I surrender all. Are you still surrendering? Sometimes we bury people in the waters of baptism and then the old self gets resurrected again. We suppose they killed the old self. It shouldn't be coming back at us. Are you submissive in your nature? Submission is not weakness. It's strength. The word means to yield, to surrender. It's really more than obedience. It's beyond obedience. See, because it's possible to obey without submitting. I'll do what you tell me. I don't want to do it. And really, I don't feel like doing it. But I'm going to go ahead and do it because I don't want to get in trouble. You all heard the story of the little boy whose mother said, you know, go, go sit in the corner, you're being disciplined. And he said in his heart, I'm sitting down physically, but in my heart and mind, I'm standing up. I'm not doing what you said. He obeyed, but he didn't submit. God calls us not just to obey, but surrender our wills to him. And that's what makes you a better disciple. That's what makes you someone that God can work through and that God can use. When you say, God, whatever your will is, I 
submit to you. And I will do whatever you ask me to do. And then as you submit to God, that also means that you understand that I've got to learn to work with other people. Because it's not just God that you must submit to, but the others. You know, the Israelites, oh man, they had a hard time. Miriam, Moses' sister, she had a bad attitude toward Moses. And the Bible says that Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And so, you know, Moses comes in and uh, he brings in his, his wife, the Cushite wife. Uh, he married a Cushite. And then, you know what Miriam says? She says, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Has he also spoken through us? And the Bible says, the Lord heard this. Now, this is her brother. He's doing a good job. I mean, it's not an easy job taking some two million people from Egypt out into to some unknown land. And there his sister is, you know what, I'm just as good as he is. Who does he think he is? She's got a bad attitude. And you know what God does? He, he turns her leprous. And there's Aaron, his brother. He's with her. I don't know what he was thinking. Aaron could mess up almost anything. I mean, I, I love the brother, and I'm sure he'll be in heaven. But doggone, man, you got a brother like Aaron. You just want to go, dude, you are not helping me at all. And it's a wonder if God didn't turn him into leper. leper and, and then she had to be outside the camp for some seven days because she didn't understand. There's a structure here. There's a way that God wants it to do. It doesn't mean that Moses is better than you, but it means that God has a plan to get things done, and you've got to submit to that plan. God has a plan to get things done here in the New York church. You know, he, he raises up leadership. We, we've formed these little groups. We're trying to get everybody to be a part of the group. And some of you won't even be a part of a group. Why not? Who are you submitting to? Myself. You're making your journey more difficult, and you're not helping the church. And it's going to make your, your journey very, very hard. As a matter of fact, God may have to stop you in your tracks to get your attention. Another example of this is Korah and the rebellion. Korah comes up against Moses with 250 other men. And the Bible says they were leaders of the community. And Korah comes up to, to Moses. The Bible says they came as a group in number 16 to oppose Moses and said to him, You have gone too far. The whole community is holding every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? Here again, another bad attitude. Think, ask yourself, well, you know, why shouldn't, why am I not leading the people of Israel? Well, where were you? When we were confronting Pharaoh, where were you? When we were going through the Red Sea, what, where were you? When the people were crying out for water and asking for meat, where were you? Oh, I'm here now. And I think it's my turn. Bad you know what God did with Corinth? Killed him right down the spot. Opened up the hole in the ground, went down. The 250 guys who supposedly were following him, God incinerated every one of them right on the spot. And then after that, the people still didn't get the message because then they went complaining again to Moses 
Why did you kill these people? Sometimes we can be so crazy in our thinking. When you don't learn that I need to submit to God's will. I tell you what, in my years as a Christian, I haven't always found myself under the best leadership. Have you? I haven't always found myself in the most favorable of circumstances. Have you? But I know this, rebellion never helps anything. It never helps. Now, do I need to still speak the truth? Absolutely. Submission, submission doesn't mean that you, you throw your brains away. You can disagree. You can speak what, what is the truth. You can ask for change and call for change. But what you cannot do is step outside of God's will in order to do what you think is best or right. We've got to always submit to God's will. God's got a plan. And sometimes the real test is not the person who's messing up. The real test is you. Will you submit and surrender to God even in difficult circumstances? Do you trust God's timing? See, we, we don't always like the way God does things, and we oftentimes don't like when He does it. But God says, I know what I'm doing. So you just wait on me, and I'll take care of it. But you continue to surrender and submit yourself to my will. You know, a lot of us as Christians, we find ourselves in challenging circumstances. And here's some keys to living a life of submission. Listen to God. Not your feelings. Your feelings can give you trouble. When you give in to those emotions, man, it's people. Tell you what. If you want to choose it, blow right now. I'm done with this. I ain't coming back. You can't your emotions. You feel Feelings take you all over the place. Depending on what time of the week it is, what time of the month it is, what time of the year it is. Definitely don't make stupid, crazy decisions in the wintertime. When you know you're not feeling good. But listen to God. Not your feelings. Listen to God, not your flesh. Oh man, the flesh can get you in trouble, can't okay? Hey, I know. I, I, I feel so close to this person. I feel in love. I'm in love. I feel it. I know God wants me to be in love. Are they a Christian? No, not yet. But I, I still feel in love. And so I need to. I need to explore these feelings of love. No, you don't. You need to listen to God. And you need to run away from that person. And if you stay away from them, the feelings of love will go away. But if you keep spending time with them, those feelings, those feelings can get you in trouble. We feel things all the time. I mean, you get attracted to people that you know you shouldn't be attracted to all the time. That's not a sin. Just run from it. Just say, no, 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 no. I'm married. That will not happen. That cannot happen. Sometimes people say things to us and, and we start feeling good. You, you handsome. I am? Really? My wife isn't telling me that. 
The sisters at church, they don't realize how fine I am, and the brothers still don't get it either. That's the flesh talking. Don't listen to, am I right, church? Don't listen to the flesh. The flesh always gets you in trouble. And the thing is, when you give into the flesh, the minute after you do it, you, you regret it. You're like, oh, what have I done? Come on, Christians. You belong to God. Listen to God. Don't listen to your flesh. The Bible says, deny yourself. We're all going through it. Sometimes we look at other Christians and we go, it must not be as hard for them as it is for, for me. Look, all the men in here have changed. Don't we, brothers? You are not alone. We all have changed. You're not unique in this. But I'm making a decision. I'm going to listen to God and not to my flesh. No, you may think it, well, I'm the only woman in here that's lonely. No, you're not. There's a whole bunch of us, isn't that right? But we're not going to listen to the flesh because the flesh will not redeem you. It will not save you. It will not help you. And let me tell you, we know men. You cannot trust those men out there in the world. You cannot trust them. We used to be out there. They want one thing. They want one thing. And once they get that, they're done with you. You need to make sure that you listen to God because God's got your back. He's got your best interest. Don't listen to the flesh on this journey. I'm not saying this is easy. Sometimes it can get real intense. And you're, 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 in a, you're in a dark place. You need to check your Bible out. You need to read about Joseph. And you need to go over there and read Galatians chapter 5. And you need to read it out loud. And you need to preach a sermon to yourself. Self! Stay away from that man. Self! Don't text that woman. She sent you a text. Delete it! Said you're supposed to be nice as a Christian. Not that nice. I'm getting off track here. Listen to God, not your rebellious friend. You know, even in the church, they're fools. People who will tell you stuff that's just wrong. Just wrong. Like, no, 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 girl, don't, don't. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do what those leaders tell you. Be your own person. Where did that get you in the world? Where did that get you in the Do you think people want to get in your business just to make you unhappy? People are trying to help you. Wake up. What's wrong with you? Don't listen to those. If you've got friends who are encouraging you to do things outside of Christ, those are not your friends. When you make some dumb decision and you got some disciple goes, bro, I understand, I understand. I, I feel you, man. I'm, that's not your friend. Your friend is the brother who looks at you and goes, what were you thinking? Say, well, bro, once you show some compassion, I'm not showing you an ounce of compassion. I'm going to show you love. You are wrong and you need to repent. You need to repent. That's your friend. And I know it's getting a little quiet in here. Because y'all always want the leaders to handle it. When it's your friend and you need to handle it. 
A real friend speaks the truth in love. A real friend tells you what, what John the Baptist told Herod, you cannot have that woman. It's wrong for you to have her. So stay away from her. Now, they're not always going to like it, but if they listen to you one day, they will love you for setting them free. Who are my best friends in the kingdom? The people who've spoken the truth to me. Why do I love my wife so much? Because whether I like it or not, she always tells me the truth. She always tells me the truth. Thank you, honey. Keep telling me the truth, even when I don't want to hear the truth, because you're my salvation, because you're the person that God's put in my life to keep me from falling. Who is that for you? Don't listen to your rebellious friends, because they're not really your friends. So why are you sitting by them every Sunday, acting like everything's cool? When they're leading you down the wrong path. Now, I've got to get on to my last point. My time is up. My last point, be courageous. A courageous attitude is needed to make it to the end of the journey. A courageous attitude. In Deuteronomy and Joshua, we told eight different times, be strong and courageous. This is what God told Joshua, this is what God told the Israelites, if they were going to enter the promised land. And so they get all the way to the doors of the promised land. They get right there at the entrance to the gate, promise ready to be fulfilled. And Moses sends the spies, 12 spies, into the land. And they come back with a good report. They spend 40 days exploring this land. And they say the land does flow with milk and honey. And God promised to give it to them. But they began to Allow their fears to fight for them, to get the best of them. And they never make it into the promised land. And Joshua and Caleb say to them, If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. That is what they tell them. And I'm trying to tell you, on this journey, you can't give in to your fears. There are going to be times when you're going to be like, I don't, can I take this step of faith? I don't know. I've never done this before. You might be studying the Bible right now, but I don't know if I can do this. You've got to be strong and courageous. And step out in faith. And put your trust in God. It takes courage to overcome faith fears. Courage to trust that God will bring you through. Will God come through for me if I take a stand? Will God give me the promises that, that are in His Word if I take a stand on purity? If I don't compromise, will God come through? I'm here to tell you, God will come through. He will come through. But you must continue to stand faithful and be courageous. You know, we get, we get concerned about our families. What about my children? That's what they said. Moses, what about our children? You know, you're going to kill us in the desert. God will take care of your children if you live by faith. Sometimes we're so concerned about giving our kids a better life than we had. How about giving them a better faith than you grew up with? How about showing them God? Because that's more important than anything. 
The only thing we should be afraid of is will my kids make it to heaven or not? That's what we should want above all things. So step out on faith. Be strong and courageous. Follow God's instruction on raising your kids. Don't let your kids raise you. You raise them. They're not your, just your friend. They're your children. Lead them courageously. We have to be willing to overcome failure fears. I've failed. Some of us, we've failed. We've, 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 we've done things that we're ashamed of. Man, I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can, but I know I have to have the courage that when I get knocked down, i got to get back up again. 2017 wasn't the best year for the church as far as baptism, as far as growth. But you know what? I'm determined. This year's going to be I'm going to be strong and courageous. I'm not going to let Satan keep me down in a place of discouragement. But I'm going to fight back because my God is a great God. And he's saying, be strong and courageous. You've got to overcome your financial fears. Well, what will happen if I do give the Lord 10%? He'll give you a blessing that you can't even handle. He said, test me and try me in this. And see if I won't blow your mind. Sometimes we're afraid. Oh, I've got to hold on. I've got to hold on to my money. It's not even your money. It's the Lord's money. Give it back to him. He gave it to you. But it's going to take faith. You're going to have to be strong and courageous in these areas. We're going to have to be strong and courageous to overcome our future fears. Some of us, we're afraid, not of today, but what's going to happen tomorrow? And Jesus said, don't even worry about tomorrow. You know, I uh, went and preached in Brooklyn a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it was a great time being in Brooklyn. But on my way there... I realized that I didn't have my driver's license. And I said, you know, I'm a black man going to Brooklyn. Not a good thing to be caught without the driver's license. And uh, I have this tracker thing, and I could tell that I left my wallet at uh, Costco. And you know, people at Costco, they're there to buy things and to take things. So, but. The tracker was there, and I mean, the wallet was there somewhere in Costco, and I just prayed. But you know, I started thinking, man, what if I get arrested? And then they're going to take me to jail. The preacher is in jail. And then some of y'all are going to think, Sam's been messing up all these 30 years. And there I will be in jail. And then Cynthia will say, what was he doing? And then I'm going to lose my wife, and I'm going to lose my job, and then I'm going to lose my children, and none of you are going to come and visit me. Antoine's going to try to come counsel me, but he's not there to really help me. He's just there to fix me. And I'm just, I'm just going through this whole scenario, and I don't even have my wallet. And I said, the Bible says, Cast all your anxieties on him. Pray. And I just started praying, God, you know, where is my wallet? And then right after I prayed, I got a phone call from one of the guys at Costco saying, Sir, we have your wallet right here. And I got there, and I, after church, I drove under the speed limit, and I got back to, to the Bronx. And there was my wallet with all my credit cards in it and all my money, too. God is a good God. He took care of me. He said, don't be 
afraid. Don't be afraid. Church rocks. Be strong and courageous. Stop worrying about your health. Stop worrying about your finances. Stop worrying about all these things. You be strong and courageous. You give them over to a God who is almighty, all-powerful, all-caring. He's taking care of you this far, and he's going to get you all the way home to the promised land. You just got to be thankful. Be submissive. Be courageous. And watch the power of God come alive in your life. God bless you.